Hey, Mom and Dad, um, I just want to let you know that uh, I it looks like I'm going to be able to come home for Christmas this year. Um, I'm super excited to see you guys. I hope that you haven't changed anything in my room because I'm coming home. See you soon. Love you. Bye. Hi, Mom and Dad. Just want to let you know that John and I and the kids are coming home for Christmas. Hey, Mom and Dad. I know it's been a while since I've seen you guys and we've gotten together, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm coming home for Christmas this year and I can't wait to see you. See you later. Love you. Well, Merry Christmas. Okay, before we go any further, we're all going to just do a little breathing really quickly. Okay, I know the season is upon us and maybe we're all freaking out, but it is the most wonderful time of the year. So everybody take a big deep breath in, let it out. One more, let it out. You guys are pros at this already. Wow, feel better already, don't you? It is the most wonderful time of the year and we are only two and a half weeks away from, I know you thought I was gonna say Christmas, didn't you? No, we are two and a half weeks actually away from my birthday, <laughs> December 21st, uh, you can mail all of the gifts to 9830 Lone Tree Parkway to our Lone Tree Campus, care of Marcus Pillar. I do also uh, take birthmas gifts. Um, you know, that's the combination of Christmas and birthday. If anybody has a birthday in December, you know what that's like. Um, so I'll take those here. Uh, and my birthday makes it a great time of year. It does. It's awesome. It's enjoyable. My wife blesses me every single year with wonderful festivities. But we are also, with no joke, only about three weeks away from the big day, from Christmas. Um, and as I look around, I know that many of your hearts are stopping because you didn't realize that. And now you need to get out of all of our campuses and go do some shopping. So uh, God bless you. If you haven't done that yet, do it soon uh, because the season is upon us, but it is the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is an awesome time for us to come together as families. And in fact, every single season, every single Christmas, we uh, have a Christmas series. And this year, I get the opportunity of kicking it off this weekend. Uh, our series is called I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'll Be Home for Christmas. And I just want to start with this thought and this idea. When I say the word home, I want you to take just two seconds and just think, what thoughts, what emotions, what feelings are elicited inside of you? Home, the word home. I realize that home, that word in and of itself, by itself, has so many meanings for so many different people. Many of you home, when you think about that, your heart skips a beat and it jumps because of the great joy of what home is, or maybe even what home was. I also recognize that for many people who are listening to this, that are in this room, at any of our campuses, or maybe listening to this somewhere down the road, when I say the word home, your heart sinks. There's pain involved with that. There's difficulty. Some of you, the emotions and the, the feelings of fun, the thoughts of what home is, is what really your mind runs and races toward. But some of you, the word home, all it really brings is the idea of sadness. You know, across this room, and maybe as I say that word home, across all of our campuses, that word home probably in reality and in all honesty probably elicits many emotions and many thoughts and many feelings. 
Because home cannot be relegated to just one simple word or one simple thought or one simple feeling or one simple emotion. It has a lot of things attached to it. For me, home started when I was born. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa. That's right. I'm not actually a native Texan. Um, For those of you who have been around for a while, um, I'm Texan at heart. I bleed that. But I was actually born in Iowa. uh, And for nine months, uh, Iowa was home. I was there with my family. I got out of there as fast as possible and moved to Texas um, with my family. Uh, And I was raised in Texas. And for the next basically 17 years of my life, Texas was home. Texas was home. We moved around from place to place, but Texas was home and where my family was. And when I turned 17, um, right about to turn 18, I left Texas and I moved to Kona, Hawaii, joined Youth with the Mission. Um, and for about two years, uh, Kona, Hawaii was home. And that was actually where I met my wife, um, who is the most amazing woman in the world, and she is from here. And so we decided that when we got married, we were going to move here and, uh, you know, spend a little bit of time here. And so we moved to Colorado. And for the last uh, about 12 years, Colorado has been home. But as I think about home, I think about ups and downs. I think about highs and lows. I think about wonderful times. and I think about difficult times. I think about blessings. And I think about things that sometimes I couldn't wait to get away from. But, you know, the reality of as I think about home and I think about the transition and from place to place, the reality of what I realize is that home wasn't really a place, but home was the people. Home was the people that I surrounded myself with. Home for me, I just recently moved. Um, my family just recently moved. And I didn't feel like I left my home behind, right? I went from one house to another house, but I didn't leave my home behind because my home is not found in a place. My home is found in those people who are close to me, those people who have my heart and I have their heart. And so as we think about home, oftentimes the reason that so many emotions and so many feelings get brought up is because normally when I say the word home, you don't specifically think about the four walls of a house But you think about all the memories, you think about all the things that have happened maybe in and out of that place, and you think about all the relationships that are attached to that. And this weekend, we're going to talk about a home that Jesus himself actually brought light to, and it's found in Luke chapter 15. And this is the home of the prodigal son. Maybe you heard this story before. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees, a group of the very religious people of the area, and he tells them this story about a very wealthy man who has a great home. He has servants in his house. He has inheritance and blessing for his children. Um, He has really everything that would make what you think a very um, extravagant home for his kiddos. And so that's where we start in this story, and I'm going to read really quickly. If you guys have your Bibles, you can pull them out. If not, you can read on the screens that are behind me in all the campuses. We're going to start in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 13, Um, and this is where Jesus says, and he, Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of the sons said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Then we jump to verse 17. Verse 17 says this, but when he came to himself, this is the son that squandered what his father had given to him. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. 
And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Let me paint maybe a 21st century picture here. For any of you guys who have kids and um, maybe this makes a little bit more sense to you, ultimately this father had given his sons everything that they could ever imagine. They lived in a blessed place. They lived uh, with incredible provision. And the younger son goes to the father. He says, hey, dad, um, I'm gonna take all these clothes that you paid for and I'm gonna take this cell phone that's still on your plan and I'm gonna grab this Xbox that you gave me for Christmas last year and I'm gonna put them in this bag that I found in the top of your closet and I'm gonna throw them into this car that you'd pay the insurance and I use your credit card to fill it up with gas and I'm gonna take the $5,000 that you told me that whenever I was old enough to leave the house you were gonna give me and I'm out of here because this place is holding me back, Dad. I need to spread my wings. I don't have freedom like I need freedom. I need to get out of here and I need to go live life. And quite honestly, Dad, I can't do that with you around here. So why don't you give me the stuff that's mine, that's rightfully mine, right? And I'm getting out of this place. Now, how many of you, the picture that I just painted is something probably very similar to the blessing that maybe your children live under. How many of you would look at that situation and you'd be like, man, kid, you're crazy, right? you got to be kidding me. How many of you would actually give your kids all of those things and say, well, bless you, God bless you, right? But here's what's interesting in this story. The father said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to give you those things. I'm sure that he probably relayed his heart to the son. I don't want you to leave. My desire is not for you to go. But you know what? I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you go out there. And just as you can imagine your kids taking all these things that you paid for or you purchased or you bought, that they leave and they cut off themselves from you, the source of all of those things, pretty quickly that money, those things, that cell phone, that car's gonna run out of gas somewhere down the road. And that kid's gonna realize, oh my goodness, I had it so good. I had it so good. Things were so good. And now I've gone out and I've just ruined it. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Now I feel stupid. What a fool I've been. I mean, my dad, look at all these people. The house cleaner, they have it better than I do right now. They got a roof over their heads. They have a way to and from. But me, I got nothing anymore. And that's where we come in on this story. And it's a, it's a phenomenal thing in two ways. Because for the prodigal, home for him, as he saw it, was a place of bondage a place of bondage. No matter how good he had it, no matter how many things he had, no matter what his dad had provided for him, for some reason what was inside of him was the feeling that I am being held in bondage. I feel like I'm a slave in this place. Right? How many of you guys have kids you're like, amen to that. I've heard that one before. But for the prodigal, home was a place of bondage. But this place of bondage, what it really did was it revealed the prodigal's heart. The prodigal's heart said this, I have a right to these things. I have a right to this inheritance. I have a right to this money. I have a right to all of these things that, Dad, you said that you're going to give me, and you're going to give me those things, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to exercise that right. But the prodigal forgot something that is incredibly important in this story, that what he had, he didn't have because of a right, 
What he had, he had because of great privilege his father allowed him to live under. What your kids have, they didn't earn that, right? I don't care how many chores your kids have done. If your kids live in America, they are blessed. And they're not blessed because of anything that they've done. They're blessed because they live underneath your home, which is a privileged home. Lives in this society, which is a privileged society. You know, we live in a society in this world today, especially, and I think older people deal with this too, but especially the younger generations that we see, because of affluency, because of the blessings, because of the privilege that my kids, maybe your children have, surely your children probably do, they have this feeling of entitlement. I feel entitled to these things. I have a right to this. Because I've had it my whole life, this is mine. But the problem is this. If we do that here in this earth, then we're gonna experience the things that happen when we take that right and we walk away and we cut ourselves off from the source. Because the reality is, is if my 11-year-old daughter came to me and said, hey, dad, give me everything that's mine. I'm gonna get out of here and I'm gonna go live my own life. I know very well, very short and shortly down the road, she's gonna have nothing. And the reason she's gonna have nothing is because I'm her source. And when you cut yourself off from the source, you cut yourself off from the ability to live with that privilege and with that blessing. And while you may carry some of it with you for a period of time, eventually it will go away. And that's where this prodigal found himself. He found himself in this place, in this position where what he thought was his right, he turned around and he realized it was a privilege. And when he left his home and he cut himself off from the source, eventually all of that stuff dwindled away and he had nothing. And he turned around and said, man, my father's servants have it better than me. But what am I supposed to do? Come groveling back to my dad. He's not gonna receive me. He's not gonna love me. He's not gonna want me anymore. The home for the prodigal was a place of bondage. I think oftentimes maybe we can feel like that, even spiritually. Sometimes we can feel like, I want to experience the great blessings, but I feel like I'm in bondage. For some reason, I'm shackled to these things. And so I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do my thing and I'm gonna find out what's really out there. And so oftentimes, time after time after time, and being a pastor for many years, we see this. People, all they find out there is pain and hurt and difficulty because when you cut yourself off from the source, you as well find yourself not being able to live under and with the privilege that our Heavenly Father gives us. And so the story continues. That's the prodigal. The story continues. And we're going to pick up actually at the end of the story, and we're going to jump back here in a few. But the story continues with the firstborn in Luke chapter 15, verses 25, starting in 25 through verse 30. This is the older brother. It says, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things were or what they meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back in safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He begged him to come back. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. 
you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. You see, what's really interesting is that you would think that the firstborn who's here, might have a little bit of a different perspective on things. But as he steps into this situation, he's actually out in the fields when his brother comes home. His brother comes home. The older brother is coming back to the house. He hears music and he's like, what in the world is going on? So he asks one of the servants, what is happening? And that servant tells him. And the very first thing that happens within the firstborn is anger. He's not rejoicing that his brother's back. He's not excited It's anger, and the very first thing out of that anger that he spews is to his dad an accusation, look at everything I've done for you, dad. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've worked hard. I've never left. I've not done any of these things, and you've never done these things for me. You've never given me that blessing. You've never given me that ability. You've never given me that fattened calf and thrown a party for me. You see, for the older son... As he looked at his home and looked around, home for him was a place of burden. It was a place of burden. And the reason that I can tell you that that's true is because from his very mouth, what the older son said to his father was that what I have done has earned the things that you have given me. Very much like a slave, right? I'm a slave in this household, but I've worked hard. I may not be able to leave, I may not be able to get out of here, but I have given everything that I have to this and because I have done that, I've carried the burden of weight and I should receive these things specifically from you. I've carried the burden, now I should experience the blessing. But the firstborn had it all wrong. The firstborn, the way that he saw this was that the blessings that he received were because of what he did. His heart was a heart of doing as opposed to a heart of being. And those are dynamically different. The firstborn missed it completely. He didn't receive the blessings. He didn't get to live underneath the things that his father gave him. He didn't have this great richness because of what he did. No, the firstborn had all of these things because of who he was. He was his father's son. He was the son of a wealthy man who desired to bless his kids. Uh, as I thought about this, maybe this connects with you a little bit. I'm an American. Many of you guys who are gonna hear this at each of our campuses here, you are also Americans. And what's interesting is that I'm only an American because my father and my mother were both American. I didn't earn my citizenship to America, right? I didn't choose to experience this blessing. The reason that I'm American is because of my parents. The law says that if you are born of two parents, and it can actually even happen in a situation with one parent, but if you are born of two parents who are both um, of an American descent, even if you are born overseas, you automatically take on the citizenship of an American. Now, I didn't earn that, right? I didn't do anything to earn my citizenship. I was simply born into this family. And how crazy would it be to think that I earned the blessings that I get to experience here now living underneath the freedom and the life of this country? I did nothing to earn that. I simply 
showed up here in the right family. And so it's the same mentality that this older brother has that's so broken. He thinks that he earned his way into these blessings from his father by saying, hey, look at all this stuff that I've done. I've never left you. I've worked hard for you. And I never received some of these things, but I did receive your blessings. But let's put those to the side right now. I didn't receive the fattened calf and I didn't get a party. And he had this idea that blessing came because of what he did, not because of who he was. And it was broken. It was fractured. And so we fast forward a little bit. Actually, we rewind a little bit. And we get to the place where I think it brings all of this story together. Home for the prodigal was not the way that God wanted it to be. It was a place of bondage for him. Home for the firstborn was a place of burden. But for the father, home was something completely different. And we find that difference in Luke chapter 15, 22 through 23, when he responds to his youngest son coming home, running back, saying, I've squandered everything. And this is what the father said to him. It says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. The father's heart for his son returning who had squandered all of the blessings was not a heart of rejection. It was not a heart of saying, you know what? Now you gotta earn your way back into this house. You have to work towards this. You need to build back up all the things that now you squandered. No, the heart of the father for his son coming back was welcome. I love you. We're throwing a party because you're home. And that's great news because the heart of the father was a heart of blessing. The home for the father had nothing to do with the things, but it had to do with the desire to bless his kids. Home for him was a place of blessing. In fact, we pick it up again in Luke chapter 15, verses 31 through 32, when he responds to the older son. This is the father saying, he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he was found. What an amazing thing. The father doesn't just answer the fact of why he is welcoming in his son, but he tells his older son something. He says, listen, son, I want to let you know something. Everything that I have has and always will be yours. It will always be yours. You didn't have to earn it. It wasn't what you did that got those things. My heart and my home and the blessings that come with that have always been yours. They have always been yours. Don't work to receive those. Don't try to earn them. Just experience the great richness of living with them. But my son, who was gone, is now back. He has come home. Home for the father was a place of blessing. Ultimately, the father's heart was this, and this is the father's heart for you. I don't know what kind of home you were raised in. I don't know what kind of a relationship you do or do not have with your dad. I don't even know. I know in this day and age, there are so many people who don't even know who their father is, but we have to be able to take that understanding of our earthly father and put it aside to recognize that we have a great heavenly father who loves you, who is a God of blessing, who is a God of life, who is a God who doesn't give to you because you deserve it or you have earned it. He is a God who gives it to you because he's a God of blessing. 
He's a God of relationship. And you see, the father's heart was this. He said, I wanna have relationship with you. To the oldest and to the youngest. He said, I want to have relationship with you. I don't want this religious mentality or attitude to come and penetrate my household that so many people deal with. Religion says this, if I do this, 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 and this, on this, 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 and this weekend, or I listen to these songs and not those songs, or I watch this show and not that show, or I say these words and not those words, or I pray on these times during these days, or I read my scripture this much, or I make sure that I make it to church this much, many times per year that God's going to be happy with me. That's religion. And the father says to his kids, he says, this is not about you trying to check a bunch of boxes and then say you deserved it or you earned it because the reality is, is you did nothing to deserve these blessings. And yet I'm going to give them to you because you're my kids. I'm going to let you experience these things of the richness of blessing and relationship and with life. But I don't want you to get so focused on the things because honestly, I and the blessing. You see, when I think about home, I don't just think about a place, I think about the people. Home is not just four walls of a, of a physical house. Home is a relationship that you have with people. That's why it can hurt so much. That's why when you think about that word home, so many emotions and thoughts and feelings can be elicited because it's not just a physical location but because your emotions are tied to this, because in relationship, there are ups and there are downs. In relationship, there are things that you will say were blessings and then things that you will say, I wish I never experienced that. But home is full of this. You know, how crazy would it be for me to tell you that I know my dad and then to say, here's how I know my dad. He's six foot two. He's 64 years old. He's a computer programmer. He lives in Texas. He loves dinosaurs. He's balding. He has been for a long, long time. He, wears a, he has a goatee. Now it's graying. He's married to a woman named Diane. He raised me and did all of these things. It's great, right? Well, just because I know facts about my dad, and all of those are true, just so you know. <laughs> just because I know facts about my dad doesn't mean I know my dad. Because the reality is anyone who has met him or who has ever read a biography of him which I don't know why you would, but <laughs> if you did, you could recite the same things that I just recited. He's six foot two, he's 64 years old, he's balding, okay? That's great. But knowing facts about your dad doesn't mean you know your dad, right? Knowing facts about your heavenly father does not mean you know your heavenly father. Just because you read your word and you show up at church and you sing the songs and you do the things, if you just know about the heavenly father, you have missed the greatest purpose of him in your life, and that is so that you will actually know who he is in relationship. Knowing about the heavenly father is religion, but knowing the heavenly father, our God in heaven, is relationship. I know my dad because my dad raised me. I know my dad because my dad is the dad who blessed me, the dad who prays for me, the dad who cares for me. The dad who calls and who texts me, who laughs and who cries with me, who rejoices in my successes, he sits with me in my failures. My dad introduced me to Jesus. Those things, you don't know about my dad like I do. Those things are the things in relationship that make the connection between me and my dad so rich. And those are the kind of things that your heavenly father desires to have with you. Do you know that dad? Because this father that's in the prodigal son story, 
He's not just a good story. He is a representation of our heavenly father. One that says, you know what? I wanna bless you. I wanna give you all of these great privileges to live under, to live with, to experience, enjoy, but the greatest thing that I wanna give you and the greatest thing I want from you is a relationship. Would you give that to me? Because all of that other stuff is tertiary. All of that stuff one day will go away. But this relationship is something that's established and that can continue. In fact, what I think is pretty awesome about our Heavenly Father, what I think is pretty awesome about our relationship with Him is that because we have been called His sons and His daughters, we are actually now royalty. I started thinking about the idea of royalty. And it immediately drew my mind to the thought of the royal family in the UK. Queen Elizabeth. And I think about the lineage of what potentially can happen for those people. And the next, in thro- next to the throne is, is Prince Charles, right? Prince Charles is the next one who should be taking over the throne as king of England. And if I were to ask you what qualifies Prince Charles to be the king of England, can anybody tell me? Was it the military service he did? Was it his education? Was it how much wealth he had? Was it anything that he did? No. The one sole thing that qualifies Prince Charles to take the throne as king one day is the fact that his mom is Queen Elizabeth or his lineage runs through this throne. Only the sons and daughters of kings and queens can become kings and queens. That is the only way. And the great blessing is found for us in this, that we have a king most high above all other kings in heaven. And he calls us his kids. Do you understand what that means? That means that you have a right and a path directly to the throne. You do. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says this, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Church, the reason this is the most wonderful time of the year is not because of all the gifts and all the presents and all the cool lights and all the festivities. The reason this is the most wonderful time of the year is because we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ who gave us a way into the lineage of our heavenly father. He calls you now because of Jesus, his son and his daughter. And because of that, you are qualified as royalty. You are qualified to experience the throne, not because of what you've done or haven't done, not because of what you've earned, not because of what you've lived under or haven't lived under, not because of where you grew up, because the reality is this. As I talked about myself being an American, you know what's really interesting? I have the freedom as an American to give up my citizenship. We live in a world these days where God's desire and his hope and his plan for every single one of his children is to take their appropriate right as a citizen of Jesus Christ and yet they give it up every day for something else that's false. They choose to live not underneath that blessing, but they choose to live underneath the burdens and the weight of this world. And God is saying, if you are a prodigal in this place, come back because the door is always open. If you have rejected your passport 
stamped heaven or if you have rejected the great blessings of being a citizen of Jesus Christ and an heir to his throne, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. And if you, maybe, maybe you've done everything right. Maybe you feel like, man, I've, I've lived it correctly. I've, I've ticked all the boxes. I've showed up to church enough times. I've done this and I've done that, whatever. But you, when I talk about knowing Jesus, you don't have that relationship. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. Your heart determines how you live. How you live. Where's your heart? Here's the reality. Home is not a place. Home is where the Father is. Home is where the Father is. Are you home? He's beckoning you. He is calling you. He is screaming out to you, come home. Come home. Come home to relationship. Come home for Christmas. Come home and experience the blessings that I have for you. Experience the relationship that I have been longing because I am waiting. Come home for Christmas. So I want to ask you the question that we started out with. What is home to you? What is home to you? Maybe a better way to say that, what is the father to you? What is the father to you? Not your earthly father. What is the father in heaven to you? Because if he is not a place of blessing, the giver of life, the source of hope, if he's not one that you have relationship with, it's time to come home and experience it. So I wanna do this. I know that we have people all across all of our locations listening to this, streaming it online maybe, listening somewhere on down the road. I just wanna take a moment and I'd encourage you to open your hearts that if you've missed that home, if you've aimed for the wrong thing or maybe you have chosen to walk away from it, regardless, open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now because he's calling you. And I just wanna take a moment to pray for you. So will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are, it's hard to even find words to express the depth of gratitude that we have to you, Lord. God, I know that there are people that are hearing this right now and they, they say, I'm the prodigal. I've experienced the richness of that blessing. I know about it, and I took it, and I walked away, and I squandered it. And now I feel so distant. I feel so removed that there's no way back home. God will never receive me back. He doesn't want me back. But I want to tell you, sir or ma'am, if you find yourself in that place, the Father has been waiting for you to come back. His home is open. It's not only open. He is ready and willing to throw a party for you because you are you. His blessing and his provision comes when you come back home. Would you engage? Would you come back home to the Father and engage with him in that relationship? I also recognize that there are people in this place, all of our campuses streaming online, you're like, well, I've, I've never left and I never squandered it, but I've always felt like that this blessing that I live under 
is such a burden. I have to work towards it. I have to earn it. And I'm never sure if I've earned it or if I've deserved it. Or maybe you just feel entitled to it. Maybe you feel like, man, you've done everything right. But you've completely missed the point of it all, which is Jesus. The blessings come with knowing Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then you've missed it. And so it's time to lay those things aside and say, you know what? I no longer will walk and operate in religion. I will walk and operate in relationship. And today I choose to push all those things away and I open my heart to you. God doesn't care how many times you show up to church a month. What he cares about is the depth of relationship that you have with him. And is it real? Is it true? Come home. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your rich blessings. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your life. We thank you that we're never so far. We're never so religious. That we can't be welcomed back into your home. God, we open our hearts to you. We bless you. We praise you. We give this to you. In your name we pray. Amen.